Welcome to the first in the series and today we will be looking firstly at why I have chosen to name this podcast so wrong, it is bright and followed by that we will look into my dissertation question which is looking at why there is a subject of well-being premium in voluntary sector employment. So, the name for of this podcast and my blog, which is attached to, comes from an idea which I had, which is an individual's well-being is linked to three pillars within society, or put more precisely, basically how society affects the well-being of the individual. Now, obviously, the individual has their own personal and professional identity. The argument is that this individual's personal and professional identity is affected by social norms within the society in which they live, and that those social norms themselves are of the influenced by policy, policy networks, and obviously generally how the institutions and structures of that society are governed and how that government uh, affects individuals' well-being. So my own of the personal and professional identity was shaped by my long-term conditions but also my lived experience and I've spent the good part of my adult life trying to not identify as being disabled. Basically I come to realise now that that was probably and actually not probably but was the one way of trying to actually deal with this um, and to implement change in society. And that came around because of my lecture in my applied professional practice module uh, actually got a hold of me and said that your lived experience, you being as a knowledge of being in society and obviously growing up as a disabled person or somebody who had issues around learning due to a childhood brain tumour and stroke when I was of the four. So therefore that's, you know, my personal identity has been shaped by society, it was shaped by my education system from my early age. Um, obviously one of the things I remember, or should I say I remember being told about, was that when I was about five, I was almost told that I could not get into mainstream school because I couldn't walk a plank, which is basically an upside-down bench. Now, obviously at the time, there would have been some sort of policy that I was different, I couldn't walk a plank, whatever that may be. Um, The same scenario actually came up a couple of years 
into my secondary education, where again we went on an adventure weekend, what we want to call it, and the same thing happened again. That can you walk a plank? Uh, obviously, this time, if I can walk a plank, I can never walk a plank. It's not going to be possible. To be honest, you'll be lucky if I can walk a straight line for any prolonged period of time. But back to the point about of this adventure weekend. So, after falling off the plank a number of times, um, the officer was about to give up. And the instructor obviously said that no, you're not giving up. MD can walk this plank and basically two of my childhood colleagues at the time to obviously hold my hands and keep a balance as I crossed the beam bench. Well we got. Um so yeah, the point is that obviously the theory people well they may be a little bit different. Uh, it does not stop them from doing things generally in society. It just has to be adapted a little bit. You know, whether it's whether you adapt to society, whether you adapt to feel people to a person, to have a form of aid, uh, or whether in general the people just have to use different forms of technology in order to get the best out of their lived experience and improve their well-being. At this point I want to address something that was actually said to me by a family member and that is why I now choose to identify as a disabled person under their quality that 2010. For anyone that is listening outside the UK, the Equality Act 2010 is basically an act of the UK Parliament which tries to make sure all citizens of the UK have almost identical footing in how they go about their daily lives, obviously. It's not achieving its goals at the moment, but that's another question for another side, another problem for another time. So, I identify now as disabled because my lecturer in applied social, so applied professional practice basically brought to my attention that I have lived experiences going back 30 odd year and I am able to obviously now use that as part of my professional identity to say look yeah okay I have struggled all this time uh, obviously now I have got a postgrad diploma and obviously going to do my dissertation so yeah, I can now say that okay, I am disabled, I recognise I'm disabled, but instead of kind of trying to hide from that, I can now use it to actually shine light on some of the inequalities and misunderstandings 
which people will have about people who are different in society and obviously that's what this blog is about that's what my podcast is about podcast you're listening to and generally kind of where I want to take my career moving forward uh, obviously whether that is in well-being in the workplace or whether that's with the Scottish Government looking at social policy or be it maybe back in the first sector where I can obviously feed into manifestos for obviously upcoming elections. We're moving on from obviously professional and personal identity to the second pillar, which is social norms. I argue in a blog post, which is actually down at the moment, but we'll be going back up soon, that academics write commercial books at the end of their career because by that time they are well established, they are well known, they have a good um, social and professional capital and they also are well respected within the field so it allows them to then go a little bit outside of the box and publish something which isn't fully academic and obviously isn't fully compliant with social norms. Basically my argument is that social norms govern the way academics write papers, it governs the way that academics can get those papers into journals and it actually governs the way in which academics and society teaches young academics from the first year through to postgrad and even governs the way that obviously PhD students and above are taught and so forth. Uh, so basically linking that back into the idea of society is that social norms govern the way we interact with each other, it governs the way we think, it governs the way that people who follow these social norms tend to exclude people who do not, whether that is because they don't want to, or they basically can't in my case. I mean, obviously, going back to the idea of the plank, I've been able to walk a plank. It's just possibly a social norm at the time that all five-year-olds, six-year-olds and above can walk a plank. I can't walk a plank, therefore I sit outside the social norms. Uh, does that mean I'm wrong? Does that mean I'm broke? Does that mean I can't go to mainstream school, get a mainstream education, get higher for that education? No, because I've done that. Um, i just done it a little bit differently. And that is basically how I see, obviously, my personal identity being linked to social norms. Uh, obviously, I have been able to overcome those social norms. Uh, and obviously now achieve quite a high level of education. Uh, obviously now it's a case of trying to find a suitable career path moving forward. So yeah, 
uh, obviously we're a lot more on this side of triangle in my blog and obviously in this podcast as we move forward. So the final pillar obviously in the societal triangle is that of laws and how the law of society is obviously the benchmark from what all citizens tend to follow. It's also the benchmark from which social norms are linked and how they develop through the discourse of time. I basically argue in the blog that of the the well-being or the individual or what I call the self, obviously the self as individual and it's taken from quite a lot of philosophers in the past, obviously as the listener and reader will get to know my second undergrad is in politics, philosophy and economics. Uh, moving on from there, I went and done my current postgrad diploma in social innovation. Uh, so obviously a lot of what I say both in this podcast and in the blog is obviously linked around my education of thinking and so forth. But back to the idea of how laws shape social norms. Uh, if you think of it in the case that any law that is passed by any governing, bo- gov- governing body in society will obviously directly affect how people within that society obviously interact and so forth. Uh, obviously for the field people or people who are deemed to be different, obviously they don't fall within the social norms and therefore their personal and personal identity is affected, which affects their well-being and the self-morale. Uh, and I think uh, in the book, um, uh, Good Economics for Hard Times, it's argued that the self-worth of the individual is actually declined based around this sort of thinking. So that is basically how I see of the, the societal triangle and how it basically governs our interactions within society and therefore how that directly affects our well-being. Well, I fully recognise that this podcast had gone on will be beyond 50 minutes by the time it finishes. Therefore, I will obviously move my discussion about my dissertation question to the further blog, which I will hopefully do at some point tomorrow. Um, so just to summarise obviously what I've said in this blog, uh, sorry, in this podcast, um, Basically, the name came from the idea that I had, I believe it's the original idea. It comes from the cycle triangle and that our well-being, uh, the well-being of the self is linked to obviously the three pillars which I mentioned, which is obviously professional and professional identity 
uh, how social norms affect that and obviously how laws passed by governing bodies affect social norms so therefore when any of those three um, puzzles change for an individual their self-well-being is either increased or decreased depending on obviously any one of those puzzles so basically if a law is passed which helps that individual's well-being then obviously the triangle increases in size if there is a law that reduces it then it decreases in size uh, again if the social norms are isolated uh, sorry, are produced in such a way that isolates the individual then the well-being of the individual will be reduced and therefore their social capital and professional capital will also be reduced and obviously therefore their professional identity will be reduced. So on that note I would just like to say thank you for listening to my first first podcast. Uh, Obviously there will be another one tomorrow because we've now won over time. Following that, there should be one every second Sunday, obviously because I now have to go on and finish writing up my dissertation and obviously try to keep the blog up to date with changing over the interface. So, for a little bit of luck, that will be done by the end of the month and then we can go from there. So, thank you for listening and I will see you, or at least hear you hopefully, in the comments in the next one. Thank you.